Episode 3, how the online education revolution is a global cultural revolution taking place. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. I am your host Pedro Demac and this is episode 3. Today I want to get into the online education revolution and how it's a global cultural revolution taking place. We are back. This is episode three, and I want to get into online learning, the online learning revolution that's taking place. And I want to share my take, what it all means. And my big idea is that online learning is causing a cultural revolution uh, in how we learn. Now, this is not something I came up with, but once I heard it, I became a believer. It actually comes from Larry Dignan in his March 2020 article in ZDNet entitled, Online Learning Gets Its Moment Due to COVID-19. Dignates that a cultural shift has already taken place, and it's all because of how online learning favors certain types of students and instructors, and those not able to do it right now need to catch up. What Dignan is talking about, in my point of view, is how online learning in general requires more discipline than classroom learning, and since there's less hand-holding, it favors a certain type of student. Learning has become digitized, he says, and there will be a new breed of instructor that can work this way as well. Now, I'm familiar with online learning. There's actually two types. There's the COVID-19 pandemic version, the one that teachers uh, call, or the purists, the teaching experts, I mean to say, call emergency remote teaching but done online. And then there's the online learning that was taking place before the pandemia, and which has been called sometimes e-learning, but then has also been referred to online learning as well. I'm sure you're thinking, online learning is online learning. What's the big deal? I think the best way to answer this question is to turn to A.J. Giuliani, an online learning commentator, with his web article entitled, This is not online learning or distance learning. He says what's taking place is emergency remote learning. It's not the kind of learning uh, he used when obtaining his master's in global education, which was all online. The learning assignments then and the activities for the master's program were all designed to be online. What we're going through during the COVID-19 pandemic is something else, Giuliani writes. And it's because teachers and students took the resources and the curriculum meant for the classroom, with the teacher being the center, and without any training, turned it into emergency remote learning and teaching via online. Meaning, it's not really online learning. Now, I get the distinction, but does it really matter? I'm thinking what happens to students and teachers when they go back to the classroom for those that are... Um, have been experiencing the emergency remote learning, what happens to them when they go back to the classroom? Do they want to keep some portions or some forms of the online learning that they were um, going through? I think what Dignan is thinking about, even though he conflates the two, is that ultimately online learning is about self-learning. And however way you slice it up, this is the cultural revolution going on. 
It's the push to teach yourself. And logically, self-learning is all about informal learning, where students take their own teaching, all because of the availability of resources online. The point is, you got to be self-motivated to learn on your own. The whole idea of online learning comes from a student-centered learning concept where the student really learns to construct their own knowledge. But the teacher is still very important in this, and that's because they have to know how to teach in this environment. And this is a recognition that goes across borders by all learning experts. I came across a broadcast of the KTN News Kenya on YouTube dated June 8, 2020, entitled Challenges Facing E-Learning in Kenya. And one of the learning experts, Dr. Lucy Wakiaga, argues that ultimately learning is still the most crucial part of e-learning. A teacher needs to ask, what is it I want to teach? What is it that I want my students to learn, especially in an online environment? Technology just facilitates the process. Dr. Wakiaga argues that the teacher must be trained to be more of a facilitator and to be more student learning orientated and less teacher orientated. I think what Dr. Wakiaga is arguing about is the recognition that there's already a developing global recognized teacher pedagogy on online and e-learning, and it has unique requirements. And it goes all the way from secondary to post-secondary university and certainly adult education as well. Online learning has changed teaching, and it will continue to change however technology evolves. Of course, there's a dark side to this globalized education uh, phenomenon, and it comes from either critics who don't want it uh, and want to return to the old book-centered and um, uh, concept of teaching, and then there's this newer danger, which is the encroaching digital colonialism that is naturally taking place as online learning and e-learning become adopted everywhere. Facebook, Google, Twitter, and even Netflix dominate social media worldwide from north to south. And then when we consider how Western teaching pedagogies on how to learn online are now fast becoming accepted throughout the world, we have the beginnings of digital colonialism. In the university online education world, there's already complaints of how free online university courses from Harvard or Stanford or from private companies like edX with the so-called MOOCs, the massive open online courses that are available for university students, they are too Western-leaning and are taking over the learning systems in non-Western countries. Philip Altbach asks, is this a good thing? In his 2014 article, MOOCs as Neocolonialism, Who Controls Knowledge? Altbach reminds us that Western universities, either from the US or Europe, are the main suppliers of content for these university MOOCs. Since the US and Europe already provide most of the literature and articles in the influential journals Um, And these MOOCs are taught by well-known professors from high-profile Western universities. Is this a good thing? Is having so many MOOC courses in English taught, is this also a good thing? 
Recently, I read the 2014 book by Lynn Hunt entitled Writing History in the Global Era. And she reminds us that what was important in the 1880s for the elite students of America was studying ancient Greek and Roman history. And they did this for the models that these histories provided to these students for, as future leaders. For example, the Harvard University Catalog of 1852 lists the requirements for admission to the freshman class as knowledge of algebra and geometry, all of Virgil's works and Caesar's commentaries, Cicero, and Latin, as well as an ability to write Latin and Greek. I'm thinking, just as Latin and studying Greek and Roman history were key to be an influential banker in New York City in the 1850s, e-learning and online learning, as well as self-learning and informal learning, are the new tenants of the globalized information economy, and there's no turning back. Online teaching now is about incorporating free online resources called Open Education Resources, or the OERs. It's also about incorporating these MOOCs. It's also incorporating social media, blended learning, which is both classroom and online learning. And it's also about incorporating learning analytics to determine how the students are actually learning. This is the reality of global education in the 21st century, and there's no going back. Technology will change, and perhaps we'll see the end of online learning, but we may see also the beginning of new artificial intelligence learning systems. Okay, that's it. Another episode in the podcast. Until next time.